0: Jokic behind his back. What it tastes like, Jokic? What's <laughs> your sitter? Wow. Uh,
1: as long as their fans are this disappointed, that's all I care about. So the Warrior fans come in here, the uh, Celtics fans come in here, the Lakers fans come in here. I take that L on the way up. Jokic. Here's to <laughs> Welcome into to the Pickaxe Podcast. I am Zach Mikosh here with Gordon Gross. We are from denverstiffs.com. Took the week off last week, but we are back and we are ready to talk about a dreary, a dreary week of for the Denver Nuggets. They they go one or, you know, one and two on a week. They really should have gone three and oh, they were within about two seconds for being oh and three. Um, tough one tough one all the way around for the Nuggets. We're going to talk all about it. And then we will look forward to now what I I consider the the toughest part of the schedule for the entire season, really. And I, it was where I picked this out from the beginning of the year when the schedule came out, that this would, be, this would be the toughest part of the run. And for the Nuggets, of course, it comes right at the most crucial time. But before we get into all of that, let's check in with Mr. Gross down in Colorado Springs. Gordon, how is it going for you?
2: would be better if the Nuggets would keep winning, but uh, they apparently decided this is not the week for that.
1: Definitely not. It was, uh, like I said, it was a tough week for the Nuggets, particularly because it should not have been. It was the easiest week they had on the schedule in some time. Granted, they did end up playing two games on the road. Yeah, but I guess,
2: like teams that are like you know with a 350 winning percentage
1: right yeah exactly they against well, I mean literally they the worst teams in the conference they yeah they went played both the they opened up at home against the Golden State Warriors who are the worst team in the Western Conference and the NBA um mm. they finished out the week uh on the road against the Cleveland Cavaliers who are the worst team in the Eastern Conference in between those they played the Charlotte Hornets who are well, I believe – well, I don't know. The East is pretty bad. Let me see. How far are the uh, Charlotte Hornets? They are uh, – they're in They're in the 10th slot. They're, they're only six and a half back uh, of, the, <laughs> of the Orlando Magic for the playoffs. So I guess technically still have a shot. But uh, 20 they, – they had, uh, what, 20 wins, I think. Maybe 21 when they played the Denver Nuggets. That was the one game the Nuggets won. They got that game um, just barely. I think it was 104-102. Might have been the final there. It was overall a a, a tough, tough week, Gordon. I mean, how do you explain? How do you explain the losses? Because I didn't didn't necessarily feel like it was effort. Like I didn't see. It didn't seem like the guys were necessarily not playing hard. Like like playing down to the competition. They just didn't play well. I guess is the way I looked at it.
2: Malaise. I'm not really sure. Like, I, I do think that they weren't exactly playing hard. Like. If you're not getting back in transition, you're not jumping on the floor for rebounds, you know. Like it, they played like they were there. They were all on the court, but they just didn't play together. They didn't execute. They like lost track of people. I can't how can't count how many times on defense.
1: That that was for sure. I mean, against uh, Cleveland, uh, Chetty Osmond, I mean, that guy. Yeah, like much. you
2: can't tell that that guy can shoot threes, right? You know, after the fifth bucket he shoves in your face from deep, you'd think that maybe you'd cover that guy,
1: right? Yeah, he um, he was particular, but I guess the the other guy who really hurt them in that game, right, was Colin Sexton, which was just like I, I, to me that part is like, well, yeah. well, that's yeah. just a team weakness. They're just right. They're just they they guy scoring scoring. The Nuggets suck against small guards, guards man.
2: Yeah. The, the Nuggets, they don't really have the guys. Like, they should have Gary Harris, but if you have two small guards, then you're relying on Jamal Murray, who will give you effort, but it has average foot speed, you know, right. um, not great mechanics on defense. So he was getting slipped all the time. Um, right. And Monte Morris, you know, will shadow guys, but doesn't exactly stop anybody. So he yeah, keeps I mean, his feet moving which avoids, you know, getting called for charging calls and everything and he's there but the Nuggets just dude they didn't rotate well. They they would get stuffed on screens, they didn't switch defensively correctly. It, it was it was a mess. Like it was the, the whole week was a mess and it just looked like a team that didn't feel like being there.
1: The, Honestly I say, maybe that's a good way to put it. Yeah. That they, they just didn't seem like they really wanted to be there because they, they ended up, I mean, when you think about it, they had gold or uh, double point, ugh, double digit leads against both, um, golden state and Cleveland, you know, yeah. they, they were up on, they uh, were up comfortably and
2: then just turned it off.
1: And then just, yeah. And it kind of shut down. Uh, Cleveland, it happened earlier and, and then they kind of fought back and forth throughout, throughout the rest of the game. They I guess had a chance. And then here's the problem. The other guy who killed them in that game was Kevin Love. Um, well, Kevin and, and, was just
2: doing turnaround 360 3 point shots, man. Like, right. what are you gonna do?
1: And he hit big shots, and he hit them yeah. down the stretch. And that's the problem is you let that game get close, and then a guy like Kevin Love, who you know maybe is not as big of a threat on a team like this because he's you know let's be honest, he's he's a star or former star player, a veteran guy, a guy a guy who's won a championship, and so he's probably not going full on all the time on a rebuilding team like Cleveland, but. When he catches it, when he's in there in a game, in a close game against a team like Denver in the final moments, like he can turn it on. And he's still he's still a very good basketball player. And the Nuggets. Well,
2: he may so have been bad. mad at Denver for not trading for him, you know, like, yeah, there you go, right? I wanted it out of Cleveland and you didn't let it happen. So now I'm mad. He's I'm going to shove right, it in your face. Right. Because you decided for Paul Millsap instead. Right. Um, but I mean, you, you also had Jokic not really dropping the hammer like he didn't score more than 16 points in a game this week.
1: And the thing that well, and so in that Cleveland game, the thing that really kills you is remember he picks up that foul, um, yeah, really early in the first quarter, and it's it's one of those things where it's like okay, I get when Jokic just commits a foul to stop uh, a break, and I and I can be okay with that, but in this case, he was the only guy who had yet to get back. Everybody else was getting back right. on that team, and he and he decides to take that foul. It basically sets up him being in foul trouble for the entire first half. That that really hurt him, and it was I think he was in foul trouble too against the um, Charlotte. He was Charlotte, in foul trouble, yeah. yeah, yeah, in the Charlotte game. He was also um,
2: yeah. They squeaked and that one work. out, but like it, it's these these items. I mean his his line is fine because there's nobody who could stop him on the
1: boards. Right. Yeah. You but I, again, like you see that, like he ends up well. So I mean, in both games, yeah, he was okay. Um in Charlotte, I think it was actually—I mean, pretty good by by most standards. Like, I think it was like 14, 11 and eight. We
2: get we get um, mad at Jokic, man. It was like he had 14, 11 and eight against Charlotte, and they won it. He had 16, 13 and seven against
1: Golden State. And They lost. And they lost yeah. it. And then he had eight, eight, and eight against against Cleveland. That's that kills me. Tristan Thompson's
2: out. not that good. Like I, Tristan Thompson can play some defense, but the idea that he can't score on Tristan Thompson is is ludicrous.
1: Right. And he had a tough, I mean, he had a tough night shooting and then it's yeah. that foul trouble. You see that, that rear its head because you're like, well, he still played 32 minutes, but you see it rear it's head and then he only took 11 shots, right? Like he right. got into foul trouble. He got discouraged. He got upset. And then he kind of turned into more passive Jokic.
2: Well, he he wanted to after. pass. This is the week that Jokic was like, that's fine. I'll get everybody going. And the right. problem is they would get plenty of assists, but nobody's blood got up for these games.
1: Right and nobody, yeah, nobody turned it up. You know that's the thing is, outside of like in the Cleveland game, outside of of Kevin Love, Chedi Osman, and, and and Colin Sexton, I mean, they really got nothing from anybody else. I mean, they, Tristan Thompson had a nice night on the boards. Matthew Delavadova Dova had a ton of assists, but it like killed me watching both the boards,
2: man, like. How do you get out rebounded by teams without like any real big man? Yeah,
1: they're that are putting Tristan. I mean, no, I mean, granted, Tristan Thompson, Kevin Love are pretty good rebounders. Well, That's, Kevin Love's always been a good rebounder, right? But he spends most of his time nowadays like He's out like a three point line, three-point man. point line, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's there's not like a ton of yeah. He only had one offensive rebound in the entire game. You know, it was it was more the way that I think what happened is like okay, you had a pretty good night from Will Barton. At least he he shot it a lot uh, and got some points. You had a good start from Gary Harris. Um, Jamal Murray played all right as well. But you didn't have – without Jokic scoring, you didn't have anybody step up and have a big game to counteract the three big games that you got from those guys on Cleveland. And that's what ends up costing the game. And it was, well, and it rebounding, was very similar. Rebounding
2: just killed them, man. Like honestly, if you're going to – when you lose a game like that and, and you have – you know, none of these. Your uh, your starting uh, power forward gets one rebound. You know, Will right. Barton had eight.
1: Right, he was to to lead, tied with Jokic to lead the
2: yeah. team. Yeah. You know, your starting power forward gets one rebound, and your backup power forward gets three rebounds. Like, I I don't know what you think you're going to get out of that. Like, you better make all your shots. And to be fair, Denver shot okay. Right. They just never they stopped anybody in transition, three. man it was right. turnovers and and transition points all those turnovers were just easy easy buckets
1: yeah that is true 17 turnovers was was a killer for them but and the thing is though and then you didn't capitalize enough on cleveland's turnovers cuz cleveland had really struggled with the ball as well um but you didn't make enough you didn't make enough of those transition buckets so it, it i it's just a tough one it's it's for me i guess and maybe we can use this to kind of segue um well, actually, uh, before we get into this, because I, w- I want to talk about how this week's kind of affected expectations on the team. Before we get to this, l- let's talk about also kind of the elephant in the room, which is the rotation. We saw it, w- it, w- it was a bit of a weird thing. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. does not play against Charlotte and then does play against Cleveland, but kind of a he, coach switched it up this time. He, I don't think he brought him in in the first quarter at all. And then had him play the second quarter. He ended up getting, trying to maybe balance his minutes with some of what with the bench and then somewhat with the starters, which I think is a, a decent way to approach him. But what's weird is, is the on again, off again, DNP CDs. And you're playing Tory Cray, Cause you know, coach said it after the Charlotte game to get better defense uh, defense isn't necessarily great. Though, like, uh, I mean, Torrey Craig certainly certainly let Osmond get the best of him in that Cleveland game more than once as well. So, I mean, what do you make of this rotation? Do you like that, Gordon? Do you like? Okay, I've got nine guys, and then I'm gonna play Michael Porter Jr. in some games and not others. Give him some minutes with the bench and with the starters. Like, I I don't I don't necessarily think it's it's the best approach. Um, I might do that with Tory Craig more than I would do it with Michael Porter Jr. Right? Like, pick certain games where, okay, Tory Craig, it makes sense for him to play.
2: Well, and for me, like, honestly, you you know this. I think Michael Porter should be getting 20 minutes in every game. Right. I don't even know how many minutes he was going to get until Tory Craig pulled three fouls in, like, five minutes.
1: Yeah, that's very true. Like, like Torrey that, Craig didn't play much, game. but he was –
2: yeah, yeah. Torrey Craig got into huge foul trouble early. He got into foul trouble late. Right.
1: He almost fouled out. So.
2: Um. Yeah. Right. So, uh, I don't even know that that was planned. I just know that um. For this to work, they've got to figure out what kind of rotation they want to run. Um. And they keep Malone is such a defensive coach. That he keeps insisting on running um, Craig and Plumley out there together even, which, as we all know, is a terrible, absolutely horrible, no good, very bad plan.
1: Especially now when you don't have like – especially if you're not like – it's the worst is when when they've got those two guys out there and then they've got Will Barton and Monty Morrison like Jeremy Grant. So it's like basically we've got Will Barton isos and then Monty trying to set up a bunch of guys who are not really – scorers you know that you, well, yeah that you
2: you're not putting michael porter jr out there with them either so you're you're trying to rely on people to score it's good it has to be monte morris right um and i don't i like monte but i don't want him having to shoulder the scoring burden like right. that's not his gig um, Right, and, and his scoring has suffered man like the bench has been having
1: trouble well Normally, have... you... go ahead they're having a ton of trouble, right? Because a they're not playing Michael Porter Jr. But because like they're they're kind of going to this this pseudo like so they're using their four bench guys uh, in Grant Plumley, Morris, and Craig, and then they're they're playing with one of those guards. So with with Will Barton, like I was saying, it, it kind of I mean I don't know he it, it, it to me it devolves a lot into just a lot of Will Barton isolation, and then maybe like I said, Monty Morris looking for some other guys, but not necessarily any scores. The one that also really hurts you is they they play with Gary Harris out there, who's just like, man. Then you're just it's it's all on Monty to create for these guys, and and it's asking a lot, I think, uh, out of him. And they don't have a guy on that bench who can just get points other than Michael Porter Jr., who's you know who they're not inter-addle. playing,
2: right? Yeah, like this is this is my my frustration is that um, Will Barton should be the, um, the go-between to the bench um, because he can ISO score. Um, right. You Then you have Monte who can set up a play, but if it all breaks down, you have Will Barton who's like, I can take it to the hoop, I can score. He's also a good rebounder for a guard. You keep your rebounds up on the bench. Um, for me, I would rather see Michael Porter Jr. playing a bunch more with the starters, but Malone doesn't, suffer defensive mistakes. He right. won't. He can't. It's in his DNA. He just can't do it. And he doesn't um, trust
1: Michael Porter Jr. against starting yeah, he talent. Trust him.
2: No, he, he, he doesn't trust that the offensive talent will overcome the defensive. He sees the defensive mistake and pulls him. Meanwhile, the team is suffering because they're not getting the offensive output that they need, whether that's because Jokic is passive or... You know, recently, Murray had the best stretch of games he would had all season. We're like, hey, look, Murray's here. And then he's he's doing OK since. Right. But he's not carrying them. Right. And so if you're not going to get carried and you want to play an all out, all even sort of game, then you're going to have to put everybody out there who can score and figure out how to make your defense work. You know, the Nuggets are the it, Malone was complaining about the fact that they're the 27th ranked defense since the All-Star break but then doesn't understand that the reason for that um is not exactly on the guy that he's making an example of right it's yeah, absolutely. it's it's an issue really it is an issue of focus like the the nuggets have not been focused on five five out defense they've not been focused on um denying the interior to anybody people just get to the hoop at will right
1: they're not focused on rebounding, right? They're, I no, mean, they're, not, they're not. No, they're not the focused boards.
2: on rebounding. They're not focused on transition defense. So you can't pick one area where Denver's like, here's the thing that we are focusing on doing. And if other things slip through, then fine. That's right. not happening. So I don't know what uh, they're being coached to do because I'm not involved in practices and I don't see what they're attempting to get done. But whatever it is, it's not happening in games and it's on everyone for that the yeah. The thing that you know that somebody like Michael Porter Jr. brings is he brings three point shooting, slash scoring, because he can get to the hoop too. Yep. And he brings you rebounding. Yep. Is he a sieve on defense? Yeah, maybe. Uh, so have the rest of the Nuggets been? It's not yeah, like they, the minutes without him have been good.
1: Yeah, nobody's. I mean, even their stalwarts. Uh, I mean, Tori well, Craig guy came like in Paul the other Millsap game and
2: and he good, had yeah, six straight scores. Like right, you know, yeah, the second he, he came in the game
1: exactly yeah it, those guys have not exactly been you know so phenomenal i think that's and that's where it, for me it falls a little short is because like yeah it'd be different if when torrey craig was coming in he was just shutting dudes down and and we were you know and, and we were winning like the, the, the nuggets aren't winning and, and it's they're they are seeing you know we're seeing even their their best defenders really just not not play well so it's hard to Just look at at Michael Porter Jr. and be like, okay, well, he's he's the the reason I'm going to not play him because and that's what gives me the best chance to win. I mean, those were the words the coach used after the Charlotte game. He's going to play the guys getting the best chance to win. So, like, right. And he talked about he wanted better defense.
2: Like uh, as a coach, if you can't figure out how to make your team play together, that's sort of a you problem. Like you've had all year for this. This is this has been my frustration since they decided to to trade Malik Beasley. For instance, because Malik was your long distance scorer, he was your bench, you know volcano. um, he also made defensive errors, and so he never got the playing time that maybe he should have. You know, but now he's playing for Minnesota and putting up twenty points a game like it's nothing, and shooting forty three percent from three like he always does. And the nuggets meanwhile, are not playing the guy who does shoot forty three percent for them, which is Michael Porter Jr. So it's nothing has changed. It's just that MPJ is in the Malik Beasley slot now, which is the you don't play defense, so I'm not going to give you minutes position. And my issue with that is the same issue that I would have had if um Carmelo Anthony was a rookie on the Detroit Pistons. You know, right. the Detroit Pistons in two thousand three won a title, you know, and you've got this guy on the bench who is one of the best scorers Ever, and y- are you telling me that the Pistons wouldn't use him?
1: Of Maybe course they not used because him. They had Larry Brown as their coach, and he was old school and angry. So right, but that <laughs> would you have found a time
2: like the guys who would have been playing over him are just random, casual five, ten minute a game guys. Like, could you have scrapped together a thousand minutes for him? You sure you could have? Right.
1: Right. And it's, yeah, and it's, it's the exact same. I mean, a deal with maybe, maybe a little bit different with Michael Porter Jr. Just because he's, um he didn't do what, you know, what Melo, Mello came in very proven, right? He had just came off a national championship, leading a team to a national championship. So um there's a little bit different, but I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, you, you would think there there's, there's ways to find minutes for him, and if you had been consistently finding minutes for him and working him into your system and adjusting for his weaknesses um, and, and helping to improve on those, you probably are at this point in a better position to where you're like not worried as much about what he's his negative impacts on defense because you've probably figured a lot of that stuff out. They right. haven't done that because they haven't played him, so now they're at this point where it's like, okay, yeah. do we, like, do we How even do we take the in? time?
2: And they're saying, well, we shouldn't. And, and this is my long-term versus short-term thing, really. Like, MPJ was healthy enough, per his own words, to have played last year. Right. How is it that you could not have played him from game one this year?
1: Right. And that's – it just comes down to, like, you know, I mean, as coaches always said, like, uh, it's about, you know, earning that spot in the rotation and, and... – and they're a 54 win team trying to do better. I mean, he says. Right. That, I mean, basically, he says it all the time. Overtime. But right. my
2: thing is, well, they capped out at 54 wins last year, and the thing is, could they have been done better than that or not? Right. And this week is certainly not looking like they could have done better than 54 wins.
1: Right. Yeah. It certainly looks like they like, have a tough time getting to 54 now.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He's he's relying on guys who are playing the same way that they played last year to get different results.
1: Right. So when you think about uh, so. Nuggets gotta go if they wanna if they wanna get fifty four they're gonna have to go what twelve and seven to uh you yeah, know twelve and seven to finish out the season that's gonna be tough.
2: I, it was well, the, well, the way the schedule is. You would think not that tough, but the way the schedule is, yeah, it's gonna be tough.
1: Well, and also just the way they've played, coming off the All Star break, I think they're what you know, Like, I they, they might even have a losing losing record post All Star break. So,
2: well, it's, yeah, and now again, like Utah just went through this, and the Nuggets honestly went through it last year. The Nuggets right. looked awful right after the All-Star break and everyone was say that Jokic was tired cuz he didn't get the break off and right you know what I mean and then they turned it on for the last month of the season to go ahead and and uh get some stuff done they did the same thing the year before when they lost the 8 seed on the final game but Jokic carried everybody like that
1: Yeah, that was the they, thing. yeah cuz they could have lost they could have been eliminated for like 2 weeks yeah kept... yeah
2: every game was a, was a like we're about to lose you know our chance at the playoffs for like 2 weeks there right for the enter. final like 12 games of the season it was all like that so it's not that they can't do it it's just that you're you're requiring some guys to go ahead and i guess play like superstars and drag everyone else along um the hope was that you know gary harris and will barton would be healthy this year and they weren't last year and that would be your difference in this in this team
1: right but they, i mean they they well they've had a lot of injury they've they've struggled i mean they they had some good health for a while but the the injuries have certainly um played the role and it, it hasn't you know it hasn't made a difference and they haven't been able to use fine guys to kind of fill those roles so they, sure, they,
2: but if they if they stayed healthier, would mpj have gotten any minutes
1: yeah definitely me, not probably not yeah
2: would no. you would you set him on the bench for an entire other year just because you don't trust him yet right you know and he's making mistakes because he hasn't gotten enough time to play out of them
1: Right. Like, yeah, it's
2: this is those those questions about the rotation where you're like, I it doesn't seem planned. It just looks like, well, I like these guys and I'm going to play them and I'm going to play them together even when the data tells me don't do that. Right. Because I like them and they play hard. Okay, that's great. But after, you know, 50 games of the season, maybe you have to adjust some things because you're going into the playoffs and that's how teams get exploited. Yeah, by, and I, by using things that kind of worked in the regular season that definitely will not work when they get pressure applied to them in the postseason.
1: Yeah, it's um, it, it feels like they're they're setting themselves out to be at one of those teams who's going to or just kind of like last season where they're going to they're going to get into trouble in the playoffs and they're going to suddenly have to make um make some rotation changes or, or right. do something, you know, makes change. And you wonder if that changes. Well, I'm going to play Michael Porter Jr. now. Is it is it going to be a? Is the transition to that going to be seamless enough to where it's going to make a difference? You know, it's gonna well,
2: make... that should have been pre-planned, right? Like, exactly. That was, that's always been my thing with um. Uh, again, let's roll back to Malik Beasley. If you were going to trade him, then you should have played him more so he had trade value. He obviously could have played. He could have scored twenty points a game for you if you put him in for thirty-five minutes. Right. Now, would you have given up forty? Maybe. Like I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's. Uh... But what are you willing to, to suffer through? um, If you're going to keep the veterans because they're not having the trade value that you need them to have and because you trust them more, you still should find a way to play guys who would have value on another team. And the Nuggets have been great at finding value in the draft and very poor at getting back value for those players. They didn't get value back for Nurkic, who's obviously a starter in the league. Right. You
1: know, I mean, he sabotaged his value a bit.
2: I so. He did. He did. Um, But the Nuggets were not able to get that value, even though, you know, they their hand was forced. Malik didn't force their hand. Malik didn't sit there and vocally to the press demand a trade, basically.
1: No, but it, I mean, but the way it was, it like it came down to it, like, you know, everybody knew, right? Like, oh, yeah, everybody knew. It was, it was, it was flat out like obviously the Nuggets need to move these guys or they're gonna lose them for nothing. Like nobody, nobody thought Malik Beasley or Juancho Hernan Gomez was coming back next season. So like
2: right, but then so you can either trade them in the offseason or you spend the first couple of months building their value and then you trade them. Right. But the you're, Nuggets you're don't not... think like that. The Nuggets always play for this game. The Nuggets never plan for next game. And right, I true. get that. Like it's a it's a win now league. You can't necessarily plan for later. You gotta win now and then figure it out. But it leads to things like Malik Beasley not getting any minutes when he obviously could have been a much better scorer this year than Gary Harris. Um it leads to things like Michael Porter Jr. not getting minutes he needs to be ready for you in the playoffs, and then you using that as an example to not play him is that you didn't play him earlier and get him ready like yes. it, these are the frustrations that i have with the rotation is that the nuggets aren't aren't planning to peak their roster they aren't planning to utilize their best players or at least their most talented players in the ways that those players need to be used and so the nuggets continue to have their best defensive players playing together on team on on rotations that um are net negatives because they're not using their defensive players correctly they don't have enough offensive players in the game then to offset the fact that those guys are not efficient scorers by themselves. Um yeah. it's 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 not for me, it's it's watching talent that the Nuggets have. They definitely have it, and they're definitely deep, but their rotations all year have been sort of made up and confusing. Um and if you're gonna if the quality about the Nuggets that they liked about themselves was their consistency was the fact that they knew all their personnel, that they all knew how to play together. Then how come you haven't maximized them yet?
1: It's very true. Yeah. I mean, how come that was, that was your number one pitch was the continuity uh, yes. really. I've only tried to have to work in, I mean, two guys, you had to work in Jeremy Grant and you had to work in, in Michael Porter Jr. They've, they've successfully done it with Jeremy Grant, but they haven't made the, that's because I mean, they've given him the minutes. They have not done it with Michael Porter Jr. All right, but I tell you, what, we got to move on. So let's go ahead. Let's hit the break. Um, when we come back, we're gonna stay. We're gonna kind t- of talk about. We're gonna look forward. First, I want to talk about like the playoffs in general and and how we feel about this team now, given the week that they've just had. Uh, and then I'll we'll get into a little bit specific, more specifics about the game tonight against Milwaukee and uh, the Dallas Mavericks. who are gonna be coming up here later in the week. So stick with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back into the Pickaxe podcast. Zach Mikosh, Gordon Gross. We broke down the rough week that the Nuggets had there in the first half. Now we're going to start looking forward, but let's let's take a big picture look here first. Now, so kind of seeing what this team has done post All-Star break, seeing the way they had last week go, knowing that the schedule is, they are now in the toughest part of their schedule the entire season. Um... Knowing that where they stand, how t- things are tight in the standings, the quality of teams looking to make the playoffs. I mean, where are you at, Gordon, in terms of what this team? Where is this team going to finish? How far are they going to get into the, in the postseason?
2: Well, what was, I'm on record what like last week saying I thought they get the third seed, you know. Right. But that was when I thought they were going three and zero this year or yeah. this week. They did not go three and zero. They went one and two and almost went zero and three. You know, and now they're just going to run through this this little um, chasm of danger against a whole lot of playoff um, competitive teams on the road. Like, you're asking for trouble. You know, and the team, the team you get at home, of course, is the Bucks. So Bucks the Clippers.
1: Those are your two. The yeah. seven of the nine, next nine on the road, the two home games are the Bucs and the Clippers.
2: Yeah, thanks for that. So <laughs> you're, looking, you're looking at potentially two home losses to two of the three best teams in the league. You know, I mean, the Clippers just rolled through a bunch of guys.
1: Right, you know, the Clippers t- are finally healthy. The Clippers are are doing. I mean, the, exactly what what a, a veteran team with a veteran coach like Doc Rivers does, and, and when they've got that level of talent, they have rested their guys, they have managed their loads, and they are now coming out of the All Star break. They're going full bore. Everybody's playing, and they're just absolutely wrecking everyone in their path.
2: Yep. Well and and the the Clippers are the one team that does not care about whether they get home court. That is not important right. to them. What they want to do is be a playing right, have everybody fitting together. And so they're making sure that their guys are playing at 100%, knowing what they're doing, you know, getting involved in their offensive and defensive schemes. And the wins are coming as a way of uh, you know, an outworking of how they're playing. But if you told the Clippers that they were going to you know, pull the Nuggets in round 1 in a 4-5 and be on the road, the Clippers would be laugh and be like sure that's fine.
1: Right. Yep. They'd say they're they're problem.
2: unafraid. That's that is not a problem for them. Meanwhile, the Nuggets, the Nuggets really need that home court advantage. Um, And unfortunately, you know, up through the sixth seed in in the West is real close. You know, the Nuggets could drop to five with another bad week.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, they're so right now they're they're two and a half up. On Oklahoma City who sits in five the two teams directly behind the Nuggets right now who are in the third seed a game back of the Clippers in the second seed the two teams directly behind them are the Jazz and Oklahoma City Thunder so they're two uh, division opponents or division rivals the Jazz are now back uh, on a hot streak again they kind of they stumbled now they've won five in a row um Oklahoma City had a, a, just a phenomenal month of February in general, so it's they're they're not it's you you know you're a game up on the Jazz and two and a half up on Oklahoma City, three up on Houston in the six. You're not out of the woods in terms of securing home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs. Even it's, won't
2: be the rest of the year, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, exactly. Unless I mean, unless you turn have another week like a huge this run. and you're in trouble.
1: Yeah. Right, yeah. If if you if you surprise everyone and shock everyone, which which they've done a lot this season, but I mean, you could you know say they go if they go seven and two or something like that in this next nine game, this crazy nine game stretch, then yeah, they're going to be looking really good. But it's hard to see them you know you're you're kind of hoping for five and four, and if you get there, you know you might be sitting in the four seed. You might be even right. sitting in the five seed. Probably not the five seed, but you probably you might be sitting in the four might be sitting seed. In the four. By the time this these next nine games are up, and then after that, it, I mean, it gets a little bit easier in terms of you're not always on the road, but you're still even closing out with you know you got Utah twice. You're gonna get uh, Dallas in there. You're gonna get in a lot of teams in in Memphis and Portland, Sacramento. Those teams like not that great, but they could all be fighting for their lives for their playoff lives. So it's it's going to be the it's going to be a very telling time for this team and where this core is at. Last year they kind of ran into something like this too. They worked things out, they got they had the benefit of some tiebreakers, but right. they got a lot of tiebreakers on the line coming up here. I mean, the the, the tiebreaker with the Clippers will be determined in that uh in that home game against LA. They they're going to get the tiebreaker against Utah determined in these next two games uh, that they've got to close out the season against Utah. They've got two more games against Oklahoma city. They're going to determine the tiebreaker with them as well. Like, right. It's, it's not, man there. I, I, I want to think that they're going to be a, a team with home court advantage in the first round, but I to me, the fourth seed looks like where they're going to land. Them.
2: I'm just telling yeah, you if man. they had gone 3-0, and I would not be worried about it because even though the trust is coming up, they banked the wins they had to bank. Now, this is a team that loves to lose to shitty teams and beat, beat, like, good teams while shorthanded. So I don't know what to make of that. Maybe it's a focus issue. When they're shorthanded, they just come to town and, you know, show up for business, and they focus on what they're supposed to be doing. Um,
1: right. Yeah, but, but I mean if this team is if they're if they're a game up on the Clippers in the sixth seed or in the second seed and then a full three games up on the Jazz you know what it would be four and a half up on uh, Oklahoma City like you would feel way better about their chances going into this instead of being that as tight as they are it's you know, I mean, it's it's and a team like Oklahoma City, a team you know they're gonna get their shot. They're gonna be they're one of the road teams you gotta face here, um, coming up. So there it's 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 just not it's. I mean, I don't know. I worry where are you at, Gordon? Because like I said, I think I think they end up as the four seed. I take four. Which I, I did it, have
2: them at three. I thought that the, I thought it would be, I thought it would be the Clippers would probably get to two, and um the Nuggets would get to three over the the Rockets and the Rockets would go in the four or five matchup with Utah somehow. Right. But now <laughs> I don't think that like now I'm thinking that the Nuggets probably fall to four. I think th- so
1: too. And I think they get Houston as the five. I think that's, yeah,
2: and I think that's probably how that's going to go. Um, and I don't know about you, but I didn't want Houston in the first round. That's not what I wanted to see.
1: I'm a little more open to Houston without Clint Capella. It's, you know, they don't, well, they don't play. Well, not get dunked on 50 times, in the game will be nice. Right, yeah, and, and exactly. And they're going to be, I mean, it's going to be, it's, you're just going to be watching just, you know, uh, Russell Westbrook and, and James Harden do, get switches with pick and rolls until they get y- Jokic on them on the perimeter. That's, then they're gonna yep. ISO. That's essentially what we'll, well see. Well, and you're
2: going to watch the Nuggets. Uh, I mean, the over-under a number of uh, three-point shooters they foul in, that, in those games is like, what, two a game? Right, at least.
1: Yeah, I, I, but I mean, I, I, I feel like the Nuggets could probably beat Houston, but I'm not necessarily sure because it's, it's just a tough, it's, well, it's tough just, to it's say. It's
2: a tough thing to pick, especially right. because you don't have enough of an idea about how you play them because the Nuggets have already played right. Houston all that they're going right, to play yeah, they them. You won't year. see them again. Yeah, they only played them with their other lineup, and so the the Rockets know very very well how Denver will play them. And Denver has no idea what it feels like to actually play those Rockets, right. which is a good way to lose first to lose um, home court in the first game, because you still don't really understand how they're going
1: right. to attack you. Yep, yep, exactly. That's um, that that that's the type of game where you could really uh, get caught by surprise. It wouldn't it wouldn't shock me at all. Right. So so I mean, basically though, it sounds like what we were both kind of really agreeing upon is. They're probably even if 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 they get out of the first round, they're getting an L.A. team in the second round, right? Yep. Either either Clippers, even if they're up at the three seed, they're probably getting the Clippers because yep. the Clippers are the two seed. Or if they're in the four seed, they're going to get the Lakers. I don't. I, I I mean, if you could tell me, feel differently, but I don't think they can be either L.A. team in the playoffs.
2: No, I, and I've i said before on this on this particular podcast that the two th- teams that I would definitely not have them favored against would be the two L.A. teams. Right, that every yeah. other team they could find a way right. in seven games.
1: Yeah, you can talk yourself into any. I other can talk team.
2: myself into you know OKC in seven. Sure, the Nuggets can take them. Yep. The Rockets Utah, in seven.
1: Well, I Rockets, mean, now that
2: yeah. they don't have Capella, sure they could take them. Right. You know, depending on how the shots fall. Utah without
1: Derek Favors. I mean, what we've seen yeah. so far, they've been pretty strong. Against yeah, they can the
2: Jazz. take Utah. Again, assuming that Utah doesn't just drop threes on them all year. Right. But it, uh, against those uh, two LA teams, no, nah, I don't. I don't like that.
1: Like, yeah, especially I, I mean what like we saw. Chances. What we saw against the Clippers in the last game they played, and 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 what we've seen against the Lakers multiple times at home, like I mean, they, uh, these teams at full strength. We've we the, when the Nuggets have beat these teams, they beat both L A teams this year. But when they beat both of them, they haven't been at full strength. Um, and but these teams at full strength, they just they there. It seems there's a clear cut above.
2: Well, and they're Denver's at full at. strength, and each team features somebody who won a finals. Like right. they've been there. Like they've got rings. They know what it takes. Um and the Nuggets are still working on figuring out how to beat the Cavaliers. Right. So I I don't like their chances. Just the way that the teams match up, the length of, of the Lakers and the length of the Clippers, I don't think the Nuggets get out of the second round, regardless of like which LA team they would face.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I don't I don't think they're they're gonna be there. So let's um I'm so I'm thinking, thinking my... right now I'm
2: thinking literally like fifty-three wins and a second round loss much worse than last year against the trailblazers right, right.
1: more like 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 losing in five um, yeah um so gentlemen, yeah gentlemen sweep. i'm gonna give a shout out to my guy eddie spanstra on twitter because he asked us to talk about a uh, bradley beale trade and i think it fits in here so i'm gonna do it for him because i said i would um shout out to eddie hopefully he's listening uh, otherwise, people are, why are you talking about a Bradley Beal trade? But I think the point that I want to bring up here is that that's the kind of guy that was like it looked like as, as like the star player huh, who could be available. And he's had he's played phenomenal, particularly here of late um, and has looked every a bit of a star player. And it, so I guess looking at a guy like that, is that what the Nuggets need to do? They have to make a trade for someone like a Bradley Beal in order to get them over the hump against these L.A. teams.
2: I don't know, man. Like it, 30, twenty games ago, I would have told you just play Michael Porter Jr. Right, and that like, that,
1: that that could very well be the thing too.
2: But that because that's my thing is is what you're looking at is the thing that the Lakers bring is length. Well, there's nobody who's bigger and a better shooter than Michael Porter Jr. So right. you've got a six eleven dude dropping threes like it's no no problem at all. Um. So that helps your spacing. It helps you match up against these guys like Anthony Davis. You can hit the boards, you know, because he's a good rebounder. He's not good defensively. But if you had been playing him an extra 500 minutes this year, you know, maybe you'd have something. So next year, you know, if you're in the situation, hopefully by then Michael Porter Jr. is who we think he's going to be, which is at least the third best player on the team. Right. Right. Um, But yeah, like your other option is... That you're gonna have to that you would trade for somebody like Bradley Beal. The problem with that is I think you have to trade Jamal Murray to add Bradley Beal.
1: Yeah, because like I think everybody looked at you know when we were looking at this trade before, there was always like Gary Harris is the guy who makes sense, but and and Gary has played better since the All Star break, but he had been so bad like for so long, like there's nowhere near enough value in Gary Harris alone to get a player like Bradley Beal. You're also gonna have to. Um, find some more guys in terms of salary so maybe you're having to package Bradley Beal and Will Barton and like the, then is it for Harris I, yeah
2: if you're putting Harris and Barton together to make up the, the Bradley Beal salary
1: right yeah to get that kind of to get closer because you don't have a Mason Plumley on your roster anymore nope. you don't have a Paul Millsap so you're you're yeah. suddenly having harder times coming up with guys who have those right. big contracts because your money well, is I'm pretty the- much divided in two spots it's either in Jokic and Murray, who are taking up huge chunks and have huge contracts, like Beal, right? Or it's going to be in guys like a Jeremy Grant, who you're obviously not going to be trading. um, Or it's all kind of made up in these these smaller contracts. So it's
2: yeah. If you're if you're gonna trade if you're gonna trade for Beal, the only guy who makes enough money next year is Jamal Murray.
1: Right. Jamal is like the only guy. Murray Murray or Jokic are the only two guys who like one for one swaps would make. Uh, would make the the right amount of money. And you're obviously right. not trading Jokic.
2: No, and, and the problem that you run into is that they still have John Wall on the books. Right, yep. Who is their point guard. So yep. why are yep. they trading you, um, Bradley Beal, who's their off guard?
1: It, the other thing I think that, that the John Wall angle really makes it tough for trading Bradley Beal is, like, you could... You, you're going to have to, because Beal's going to get paid, you're going to have to take back some salaries... In, as well but you're not in a scenario where it's like we can just sit back and rebuild because you've got this massive John Wall contract and John Wall like obviously was not uh in great shape when he got hurt and there were questions about whether or not he was really worth that contract and now it's really tough with him coming off the injury but you have to believe that guy's going to you know if, if your Wizards are stuck with him so you're, you're gonna be playing him and hoping that he's he's somewhat good but there's not gonna be My point is, is there's not going to be a ton of opportunity for a true rebuild with that giant salary sitting there. So you're almost like better off if you're the Wizards being like, well, let's just roll with it. Let's just roll with Beal and Wall and and see what we can do for the next few
2: years. If you look at Beal, if the Nuggets think that he's better than Murray and would trade for him, then the Wizards think that too. Right. Like if you're going to give me back another two guard or a combo guard who can play the one or the two – who can, you know, play next to John Wall for three years because John Wall's not going anywhere. Like, he has a player option like three years from now, right? So right, something like
1: that, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, like, it's, like, I mean, it's
2: like almost like, you know, 40-something million dollars. Right. Like, John Wall's not going anywhere. He's going to take that it's, player it's option.
1: It's the worst contract in the NBA.
2: Yeah, it may be worst contract in the NBA history. <laughs> like, it's right. bad. Um, And so the problem is that they will need – murray plus they need Murray plus some draft picks murray plus michael porter jr murray right. plus some stuff to get bradley beale out of there because they don't save any money by swapping beale for murray and they don't change right. things around positionally
1: right and that's and that's just it They're, they they so if you're going to be stuck with some high dollar salaries um with some guys who maybe aren't, aren't going to perform up to that like you want to if you're going to give up your one your one trade ship you want to stock the 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 young prospect cupboard as much as possible because you need guys who can produce on cheap contracts to and then and then eventually build up into a new core, uh, right? To make this work out, it's how the Nuggets did it, right? They had Gallinari and Chandler and Freed and all these big contracts, but they had. Murray and Jokic and you know Gary Harris all on cheap deals, so that's how they made that transition happen. And then once those other guys' contracts came off the books, they were able to have a core of young guys and then be able to go out and dump a big money contract on a guy like a Paul Millsap, who they felt at the time was the right fit. You know, you can debate whether or not that contract really ended up being worth the, the juice being worth the squeeze, but they had that flexibility to do that. Right. And and even if it wasn't, even if Millsap didn't turn out being your 30 million dollar guy, it didn't necessarily matter because it was more about trying to add a singular piece to a developed core, but you can't do that if you're saddled with uh, John Wall and a uh, Will Barton and a Gary Harris and maybe a couple of like late first round picks like the Houston pick or, right. or no, of Denver's it. own picks. You know, like that, there's not other than Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray, there's not a ton of excellent assets for a rebuilding team. There are guys who might be good good spots for a team that's trying to make the final push, like Gary Harris on a contender. Yeah, that's a, that's a team who might be interested in that, or a Will Barton, but not, not a team like Washington. So it's really hard, I guess we're going to write, it's hard to find a package for Bradley Beal that's going to make sense, unless you're making that massive change with, with Jamal Murray, and it's hard to see Washington's, from Washington's point of view, wanting to make that deal.
2: Right. The and again, the only way I see it is if they throw in Michael Porter Jr. and some picks, and I yep. can't see Denver like it, you can say whatever you want Tim about Tim Connolly's ability that. to find guys, but they don't trade their own guys. Right.
1: Like and he's the, Tim Connolly. Like you can say what you want to say about Michael Malone and whether or not he's all in on Michael Porter Jr. By all indications, Tim Connolly, that front office is all in on Michael Porter Jr.
2: Yep. Yeah, so like if there's – and and you'd be selling him as an add-on because you didn't play him enough to get him real value. Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. Like He'd why still would be you, a if you think,
2: Yeah, if you think that he's going to be great, then you definitely do not trade him with two more years to go on his contract when yeah, he still hasn't gotten to proof that, yes, he's going to be great. Right. Yep. Like you be... save that for when you figure out that you can't pay him and then you trade him later. Right. Right. No, I don't think they should trade him at all. Let's not get that confused. Yeah,
1: exactly. I'm with you on that one. I think. I think but I, the front office has got it right. I well, want to
2: play him, so I don't see a good way to to get Brett O'Bio onto the team in a way that Denver would actually do. Yep. Yeah,
1: I agree. All right, let's let's kind of let's wrap it up here. We're gonna I want to we got to look at these two games that the Nuggets have coming. First one coming up um, tonight against the Milwaukee Bucks. Where I mean, where do you feel? About this game tonight, what do you what do you think the Nuggets' chances are?
2: Well, I mean it's you know they they beat them in Milwaukee with uh, like you know eighteen hours between games, right? So I mean, could they do it? Absolutely. Would I think that they will do it? No. I mean, I, mean, I just watched them. <laughs> I just watched them lose to Cleveland. Why would I think they're going to turn it around after having a week? It's not just one game. Malays. Where they were like, "Oh crap, we were looking forward to the Bucks, and we overlooked Cleveland." Like they had just almost gotten punked in Charlotte. They did get punked by Golden State, and then they got punked again in Cleveland. Like right. that's that's a week's worth of we aren't all here and ready for this game. Take on the Bucks is right. anything less than hundred percent.
1: Right, and it's um because the Bucks are
2: also going to be looking for payback.
1: Now the one thing though is you won't have Giannis. So he's, he is, he is officially ruled out for the Nuggets game. So that's,
0: that I guess, like,
1: yeah, I mean, but it's um, Chris Middleton, like, is, is the type of guy who would just kill the Nuggets. So,
2: yes. So, yeah, I, I, you know, because, because Giannis isn't going to be there and because the Nuggets are going to basically have been yelled at for the last 36 hours. You know, yeah, it's possible. D- right. d- I'll give him like you know forty percent chance.
1: Right. Yeah, but you don't feel great about it because like no, I don't feel it, great about if, it. it feels like like if it was, this was a happened a few weeks ago, right? And and the Nuggets were like, okay, we're gonna get Giannis or we're gonna get the Bucks without Giannis at home. Like you feel great about that game. you be like, right? Okay, the Nuggets definitely should uh, should win this. Like whereas now it's like, man, I I hope they need to win it. It's it's, it's like you can't blow thing. this opportunity.
2: Yeah, it's not a talent thing. The Nuggets can absolutely beat the Bucks. The Nuggets could beat the Bucs in the NBA Finals, for all I know. Like, that is is absolutely a team that in seven games would be a lot of fun to watch play and involved in it, aggressive Denver team. That'd be fun. But this team hasn't been that for the last, you know, week and a half.
1: Right, since the All-Star break. They have not, I mean, they've been a different team since the All-Star break.
2: Yeah, yeah, for the last, like, yeah, let's give it two, three weeks. It's been a minute since you could say that the Nuggets have had more than one game of buy-in on any game. On any, right, like, particular
1: thing. Yeah, I mean, because think about it, they came out of the break, they lost to the Thunder. Um, yeah. But then they got, I forget who they played after that, but they, they, I think they came back and got a, got a win. Uh, yeah, they got the two wins, right? They had the, the, the Wolves and the, and the Pistons. Um, took care of those two games at home. Then got blown out by the Clippers. Took care of Toronto. And then they're there into this week here where it's been, you know, they've lost to the, the two worst teams in each conference. So it's, it's, it's just tough to have any belief in them. Um, the, well, same the, only teams that
2: they, the only teams that they've won, that they've beaten, they've beaten playing the way they're supposed to play. Right. You know, they beat Toronto playing Jokic ball. Right. It wasn't defense.
1: No, well, they beat Charlotte because they just they escaped.
2: They staggered into Charlotte. They right. escaped Charlotte. I'm just saying the teams that they beat that they, they look good against, you know, they yeah. beat the way they're supposed to beat teams.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: And, and they don't – but if they're not going to play like that, man, I don't give them a lot of shots.
1: Right, it's cause and, and you never know. You never know what they're gonna bring each night. And they we haven't seen them play since that Toronto game. We haven't seen them play um good basketball. So they, they, the the uh the then they close out the week on this this Texas two step, we're not gonna really spend too much time on a San Antonio game that won't be till Friday. But Dallas on Wednesday, potentially a team they could see in the playoffs. They would at this point it's gonna take some um they're going to, have to take some turning yeah, around. That would they would have to basically to catch out. the Clippers is what yeah. they would do. They'd have to overtake the Clippers and be the two seed. It looks like Dallas is going to get pretty close uh, to locked into the seventh seed. You never know. Dallas could step it up if one of these other teams falters um, as well. But it's looking with Houston getting on the runs kind of that they've been. Of course, Houston has lost four in a row now. So,
2: Well, Houston um, was fine, and they were killing everyone. And then people said, oh, now we have footage of how you're, you're going to play. Right. And they've right. been beating up Houston, yeah.
1: But, I mean, not likely, but there's a chance that you could see Dallas. It looked like for a while Dallas was definitely the team they were going to play, but um, you could still see Dallas. I mean, how do you feel about the Nuggets' chances against uh, even a team like the Mavericks in a seven-game series?
2: Um, I would like them better against the Mavericks, um, right. although I think, I think that Doncic would just— just ripped them up
1: and that's the that's the toughness like you, you do have the the advantage of uh none of those guys on the, on the mavericks have really ever been in a playoff series before
2: and that's um, my thing is that that that's the that's the team that you have the experience matchup against and that's the team that you've seen and you know how they play you already put craig and gary harris on right. Doncic at the end of the game and made life hard for him like you know how you play that series right. and because of that and because they don't really have anybody to stop Jokic. I would think that they would take that series. But that's – they should take, get that series. They should win it. They're the better team. The Nuggets are. I just – but they're not going to get that matchup because they keep blowing these easy games.
1: Yeah, because they keep losing. And it's going to be – like I said, I mean they're going to have to overtake the Clippers, which doesn't seem like yeah. – seems less and less likely. And I, I,
2: think, I think that the Nuggets – I think the Nuggets might wind up taking um, Dallas this week just because uh, it feels like the game that they would win. Yeah, it's another team that plays kind of Euroball,
1: right? Yeah, I mean, and I think they're they're they they it seems like a very nugget thing to do, right? Like they could beat the Bucks and then and then follow it up with a big win against the Mavericks and then drop that game against San Antonio. Sure, that's that seems very very Denver like. All right, well, um, I guess that's what I'm going to go with for my prediction for the week. Where I'm going to say two and one. Uh, they're going to get the two good wins and then and then disappoint us with the, with San Antonio. What do you think?
2: um man i want to talk myself into two and one real bad because i don't want to look forward to a one and two week so yeah i'll go two and one i'll say that they let's say they win at home because it's home and then they're gonna lose to dallas but rebound well yeah and then rebound against san antonio even though they play like ass in san antonio all the time
1: there they go i was um i was gonna be down in san antonio uh, during that time, I was thinking I was going to get to watch the game. I was going to be down there for a conference, but I can't believe you canceled the conference. What's wrong I mean, with you? I was like, but coronavirus, good old coronavirus. You? No conference for me. So yep. There you go. All right, we'll tell you what. We are going to go ahead and we will.
2: um oh, your podcast from home, man. That's
1: right. That's right. No, no, po- no coronavirus here. No coronavirus here, um, whatsoever. At least, at least we hope. Um, but it's, uh, we're going to do it. We're going to wrap up the show on that. On that grim note um he is gordon gross at g money nugs i am zach mikosh at zach mikosh uh also find us at denver stiffs at pickaxe podcast these are of course all twitter handles in case you didn't catch on uh, over on instagram it's at the denver stiffs make sure you're also following us on facebook and subscribing to the podcast channel and the youtube channel uh, podcast channel you will go ahead and catch this show the dig nuggets numbers the denver Stiffs show it's all right there right on the denver stiffs podcast channel so make sure you're subscribed to that that's what you want one you want to look for to hear the show and all the other ones that have them come straight to uh you whatever you listen to your podcasts on so make sure you guys are doing that and then otherwise mr gross a pleasure as always sir
2: no i appreciate it man and uh let's see that two and one because we didn't get it last week
1: here we go we need it all right everybody we will talk to you next week